Hey coconuts, today I interject regular programming again. I know recently I keep interjecting regular programming. <laughs> There's just a lot of stuff going on. And uh, recently StashAway has pulled out totally from Quet, right? Which is essentially the China Tech ETF. And there's been a lot of discussion online and I feel you, I get why people are unhappy, people are angry. So I had to reach out to Freddie, right? And I got Freddie on the show, right? Today we're going to talk a little bit about how he sees this situation. To him, this is an anomaly, right? So he still believes in the whole algorithmic trading, strategic investing, his frame of ERA. But he said that this was a anomaly, like governance anomaly where the algorithm didn't pick up this thing, they don't understand this yet. So internally, they made a special decision to pull. All right, so there's a lot of discussion going. I hope that after today's episode, you get a clearer idea of where they stand, you know, what they believe in. And I hope to chime in and add to this uh, online discussion, right? So yeah, I hope you find today's discussion beneficial. And yeah, wherever you invest in, however you do it, I hope you learn something useful. Okay, so stay tuned. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So we have Freddie in the house. Very happy to have you here once again together with us. Yeah. Well, um, thanks for the um, opportunities to come here to uh, to share and answer any questions. Mm-mm, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I think, you know, just share with us a little bit, like, what's going on with you? You know, like, what are you guys thinking of? Like, you know, and, and all that. Like, what is the situation? How are you sensing things? Um, <laughs> let's put the elephant <laughs> in the room. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That's what everyone wants to hear, right? Having you yes. on to talk about the crap, yes. Um the decision was not a price-driven one because otherwise it would have been last year itself. Mm-hmm. Um, with investing, um, what we do is, you know, we get rewarded for taking risk, but the risk is of a known unknown nature, uh, not unknown unknown. Mm-hmm. So even up until 9th of March, our views remains intact. China will have a different monetary cycle than the U.S. They will probably stimulate. So this is, this is, this is nice. Uh, the tech revolution is long-term, right? It remains intact. It has this regulatory uh, headwinds to, to get through. But, you know, as long-term investors, we're fine with it. However, we had trended into unknown unknown where, uh, in particular, secondary sanctions. Um, what happens in a sanction is really key. Um, it's just to tell you an example, a fund manager friend of ours, uh, they were stuck with a Russian energy company. Mm. And that's instantly written down as zero, the holdings. Uh, activities are frozen. Assets are frozen. So the rules of engagement has completely changed. It's not about valuation. It's not about returns. It's about whether you want to take that unknown risk of being sanctioned and hence being frozen in terms of your funds, right? So this is a complete different ball game, And we decided that, look, uh, um, with or without it, we can divest uh, globally and across asset classes to gain returns. Uh, why be in something that we do not no longer know what's going to happen? I think a lot of the chatter online is like, oh yeah, you guys were like pro-China for so long and all that. And then now you pull, right? So so can, can we kind of lay the grounds for a lot of people that don't have the context here of like, what is so 
sexy about China? You know, are, are your views still intact there, and 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 all that? Our long term views remain intact. It's the implementation. Okay. So. Okay. Like I said before, uh, China's central bank is going to do the opposite to the Fed, most likely, or at least they hope. That's a nice way of diversifying rate risk uh, to the government. Uh, yes, they verbally reverse, so maybe that is good. Mm. Um, but what well, what remains unknown is whether you know all you need is one company in China somewhere in the world getting into the crosshair with the U.S. measures on Russia, and then the one entity gets sanctioned, however small it is, the entire spectrum of Chinese entities would suddenly be priced for that risk in, in, in the world. So that is the unknown unknown I meant, uh, or even assets being frozen. So it's an implementation problem. Until that risk is known uh, or, or more clarified, uh, is then we would sort of uh, uh, remove these temporary restrictions on our uh, China investments. Um, at the moment, regardless of what the market is doing, uh, we do we could not evaluate that scenario, like I just mentioned. Mm, mm. So it is view hasn't changed. It's the implementation. Okay, so view hasn't changed. In other words, you in your investment thesis, it is still long China, right? So yes. The, okay, but you're not implementing because of the all the uncertainties that you're saying. You think about that for a second. How are you mm. going to implement it? Mm. If you have anything in the U.S. listed, ETFs or ADRs, um, if just one name in that fund gets sanctioned, would that lead to uh, the, the fund being unable to operate, mm. being frozen, or being priced down very quickly? Mm. Uh, U.S. sanction will apply on a U.S. Deno- uh, jurisdiction Regardless of whether the fund move the holdings to from ADR to to onshore or Hong Kong listing, they, they will be covered by the US ruling. So US implementation risky. But US is such a big and liquid market. Then you go to Hong Kong listing and as long as you're not Americans company or individual, if you be on Hong Kong, you may think that sanction does not apply to you. But liquidity drops off uh, a lot uh, compared to US. Um, and also you do not know whether sanctions will apply to you in one way or another, but that risk is lower. So it's about implementation, and the implementation has very, very limited options at the moment. Um, mm. We are trying to find the best implementation even when we re- eventually return to China on a, a, a better clarity in this situation, but we still need to find better implementation, um, safer implementation, more broadly diversified implementation than sectorial, than anything that is still sanctionable. Okay, so clarity is suddenly the sanction risk is much higher. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, it stays on the table. Okay, okay. So so it's because of the Russia situation and you guys are concerned that this will, the US will use the same thing on China? Is that kind of where, where I'm hearing? Or they threaten that and China mm. threatened back. <laughs> mm, mm, so mm. Uh, if you wind back the clock before the day when they suddenly verbally reverse everything, the world suddenly is fine, according to their words. By the way, the central bank hold rates they didn't cut. Huh? Mm. Um, but if you just step back in line, every single day, regardless of the price action, what you heard was U.S. saying up, warning them about sanction. China's first response was, I, we will retaliate 
if you sanction us. So that was really scary for us because we do not want customers' assets to have any risk of being caught in this crossfire, being frozen or being unable to move. Um, that is the only reason why uh, the rules of engagement has changed, and we need to. We we felt that um, we can't implement it with a certain degree of comfort. There's mm. zero comfort in that even today. Okay, but you guys literally pulled out, you know, at a yes, quite a bad price, right? Pretty much. Yeah, because so. we can't predict that sudden reversal. Nobody mm. can. Nobody can. Nobody can. Yes. Uh, just to give you a perspective on this, despite that missing that epic rebound in KWAP. Mm. Um, our, that particular highest risk portfolio on our platform that has a lot of it rebounded from minus 9.5% for the year to minus 4.1% as of last night. Mm. We've gained a significant amount back with the divestments. So where we're trying to, to highlight to you here is you can still make return. Why get stuck in one place when this risk is now no longer comprehensible? Mm. So that is how we're trying to move forward and find the right framework to go back to China. Okay, okay. So what, what is then better implementation then? At what point, you know, because I think over the years, at least over <coughs> these few years, or at least this year uh, and last year, there's been a lot of re-optimization, right? Like, like Stashway has, has done quite a few changes over the past few years. Um, and I get it, it's crazy times, you know, the, a lot of things are moving. So, so I, I get where you're coming at. But I think for a lot of people, they want to kind of hear the kind of thought process of like why these things change. And when you talk about better implementation back to China, what are you going to observe, right? So they want to hold you at the words. Well, you look at it, you, look at it, you can say, wow, you know, semiconductor is going to be a massive focus in China. And yet, at the moment, it's the most sanctionable <laughs> sector, mm -hmm. isn't it? So that implementation is a question mark. Uh, you say clean energy. China is moving forward strongly in ESG. Clean energy is one of the big drives. They lost their state sponsorship. Uh, the, the state sponsorship for has expired without being extended last year. So you see there's a lot of uncertainty with how things are managed. Um, so when you want to invest in China, probably the best way is to find liquid ways uh, to avoid sanction. Maybe you want to do it onshore, but there's very, very little choices that's liquid uh, on Hong Kong listing at the moment, right? So implementation remains a challenge. Um, we are researching uh, better ways, but uh, at the moment, I don't have an answer for you. It's not an easy answer. You can get caught in, in the least expected fashion. Mm -hmm. Semiconductor, for example, um, as you knew, uh, they explicitly got sanctions by China for a while, right? Those names. And they will continue to be at the forefront of this geopolitical warfare, US and China, mm -hmm. maybe West versus China. It's not just Russia, Ukraine. It's the next hot button is Taiwan. Um, it's not just that. It's also US activities in Asia PAC that try to create small groups of packs, trade packs. And so it's really uh, the fight is, has been ongoing and is now becoming a uh, Cold War equivalent. Uh, in the, it's like an economic Cold War, right? Rather than the old USSR mm. uh, type Cold War, this is a economic Cold War. And it's not just going to go away, this, this thing, just because verbally China reversed uh, what they said. Mm. Okay, then, then why, why take the side of US? 
I mean, you sell down. Not take the side. We from an allocation standpoint, right? It is. It not is. Not take the US. side of US. Okay. Um, mm. We actually divested internationally a lot this round okay. from KYB. It's not going to US. Mm. It's got Australian equities that benefit double hatting as inflation hedged, and also an equity play. Uh, going to Japanese equities for some portfolios where the yen itself is like a safe haven exposure because in every systemic market meltdown, the yen massively outperform every other currencies. So you double had this equity play with a currency uh, component as a insurance. You also go into Canadian equi- equities similar with the Australian uh, 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 factor. Um, and uh, a little bit of it go to uh, international global ex-US REITs, right? And of course, some people may see a bit differently to get into international treasury, a little bit small amount, or some went to emerging market bonds to, to pick up on a cheap. So it's very diverse. Mm. It's from those diverse sources we saw the rebound from minus nine half year to date to minus four point something, right? So it's... it's the, the, the reason is that diverse sources of return to gain. One should never be stuck with something. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I felt that uh, once the risk became unknown, unknown, you cannot afford to keep lingering on with it until you find a better way to express that investment. Mm, okay. So why Canadian, Australian? I mean... You know, these are not common, right? People don't... Commodity exporting countries with the inflation momentum is high. Uh, you can... Uh, that If you look talk to a lot of energy experts, they will tell you it's not just Russia, Ukraine that drive prices up. Even before that, there's a lot of supply constraints in the backlog and, and uh, it may open up in years, to, uh, maybe next year or something, but this year is very, very tight. Um, oil price, some people even forecast, regardless of Russia, Ukraine is... 150 or 200, it's flying all over the place. I'm not making that statement. Mm, I'm mm. saying that it's not just because Russia, Ukraine, if they stop fighting tomorrow, it's not like the sanctions going to go away suddenly. The, mm. the punishment will stay until mm. the regime change. And the supply chain disruption remains until the world normalizes. Um, so OPEC plus is not is still reluctant to increase supply. Maybe... Because there is technical constraints, and so it's not going to go away just like that. They, and you, when you have these commodity exporting uh, countries, the equity markets double hat as uh, something that benefits from inflation and double hat as growth. As an investor, as a retail investor, right, trying to put money and deciding where to put, can I say like Stashaway is really just like picking? and changing is a little bit more active than other people in that no. sense. Uh, that's completely untrue. We, mm. are not com- we are not 100% passive, which does not change at all. But mm. because we base investment decisions on economic factors and valuations, fundamental valuations, these things, um, you know, when inflation is up and you don't react to it, that's really poor, no? Actually, just to pin some numbers down for you, in our last two reoptimization in 2021, was all inflation-driven, KWEB, the holding was unchanged in the, the, the two reoptimizations, like July last year and Jan 28 this year. Mm. The current one is the emergency, right? Now, the previous two, um, they gained 5.3% in additional return um, for, let's say, the highest risk portfolio because they gained from inflation momentum 
so we, we, we fear that the, the returns are going to get eroded. Your, your purchasing power is going to get eroded. Your wages are going to get eroded um, by, by higher prices everywhere and you, when you're consumed. So we beefed up that protection twice. That captured 5.3 percentage point in additional return. The problem is uh, um, the China tech and internet exposure uh, got interfered. It was doing very well until March 9 relative to other markets. But until March 9, this crashed. This fresh crash in four days was one of a Cold War nature. So you, you, if you've got to wind back the clock there. So it doesn't mean the reoptimization was not warranted, was mm-hmm. not required. We needed to protect users' purchasing power. So and that's what we did. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what people want to want to know, right? Like why? Because that's uh, that's where like all the agony is. Like, why are you doing this? Exactly. At, at this There's point? proper I, governance mm. process for this. Um, yeah. Just to tell, tell address me this more, even yes. more detailed. Mm, mm, mm. Um, first of all, um, the governance is the investment committee, which is a sub branch of the board, right, of directors at Stashaway, is charged with fiduciary duties. It's got two duties here. The first one is to actually check inputs ensure there's compliance with ERAA, right? Whether the economic signals, valuation signals, but it also at the same time has a veto power to deal with unusual circumstances. On severe, grounds of severe risk concerns is when any fund manager in the world, isn't it, actually must have that fiduciary duty to intervene when it's outside the box, that risk. And this is one of the occasions, and it's actually the first time in five years we actually intervened. Uh, we didn't do it last year rega- uh, because um, the regulatory um, measures had wins. We analyzed it as a committee. We, we look at the ADR listing risk. We look at the mechanism. We, we sort of did our homework and said, well, they are manageable. Or, okay, they are risky. Uh, they're probably negative short term, but we have a good reason to be long-term investors for it. But once you go to ascensions or <laughs> just dangling that thread of ascension again and again, like let's say not do even doing it, but tomorrow Biden or someone there says something about something, what, what happens to the volatility of this particular asset? It goes off the chart again, right? In fact, we're still off the chart every day. Mm. Up 8%, down 7%, up 10%, down... Yeah. So it's, um, it's something that as a investment committee, anywhere in the world, any fund managers, we had a fiduciary duty to return risk back to target, regardless of valuations or returns. We have to first get the risk back in order. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, so then I think that the next extended question that people will have is then is it really algorithmic driven? You know, because um, there is a bunch except of people. one time. Yeah. You got you, you to gotta mm. recognize that um, algorithms are algorithms, right? They don't capture Donald Trump's tweet stomped. Mm. <laughs> uh, 
Um, they don't capture Putin's invasion of anyone. They don't capture sanctions. That's why investment committee exists everywhere in the world in any fund managers. Regardless of whether you're passive, strategic in stash waste case, strategic means we're not passive, we are passive principles, but we adjust to economic situation that is actually medium term. Um, in normal circumstances, maybe once every 18 months, there's a reoptimization to bring the portfolio back to optimum and, and bring the risk back. Yeah, so it's actually passively following that rules based on economic factors because things change. Your environment, our environment will change, right, uh, Reggie? In, before you and I retire, I'm sooner than you, hopefully, and <laughs> we'll go through a few recessions uh, and a few good times and a few inflation times. Mm. Those are the things that um, is actually dutifully committing to calibrating and adjusting. Uh, so it's, the principle is passive, but it's indexed to um, economic factors and valuations of fundamentals. Now, however, the intervention is only, like I said, once every five years. So it's, that, it's exceptional handling that we have to do. It's a fiduciary duty. So we remain committed to the signals, but you've got to recognize no models will account for an alien invasion of Earth or the, the, or, uh, the lunar cycle changing because the moon moved away from its orbit or Putin invading uh, Ukraine. Um, we have to exercise judgment once in a while. Mm. So once in five years for us. Yeah, yeah. For, for me, That's I, not I, active, isn't it? Once yeah. in five years? I mean, I... It, it, it's a young space, right? So, so this is your first move, your first big move in right? five so, years. Yes, yes. So, so in, active in the, fund managers move on what every yeah, single day? Very often, yes. So, yeah, so exactly. I, I, get, I get that. I get that. So, yeah, and I, and I also understand how like models don't account for extreme cases, right? If not, that model is weird, right? So, no models in the yeah, world. Yeah, no models account for extreme cases. If not, it, it, there's so many assumptions it becomes stupid, All right? So, so I, I totally get that, right? But I think a lot of people really want to kind of get to the crux of it to try to understand like if I put my money with Stash away, you know, like what should I be mentally prepared for? Because it, it's, it sounds like you think this is the best way forward, right? And then I believe all fund managers will believe that their, their move is the best way forward. You should expect returns to come from a variety of sources. Okay. Um, you should expect to be able to, to think about that, not about one item in the portfolio. Okay. You should expect us to commit very dutifully to calibrating to economic conditions, forward economic indicators, uh, valuations. You should expect us to return risk to target regardless of situations because if we don't, we'll be breaking the risk limits. Um, you should expect us to try to achieve our long-term average returns. It's four years, nine months of returns. Yes, the last 10 months was tough, but there's four years, nine months of it, so... We need to, of course, your DC, when you say DCA, we're not saying you're DCAing into a particular asset class and, and, hope, and, and then what it, you know, we're just saying you're DCAing to a multiple amount of asset classes that add a portfolio on average. Some of it works, some of it doesn't work, but on average, the portfolio produces that consistent average return that we had. Uh, we look at our per year and per annum averages over four years, nine months. We, we look at that very closely. Um, last year was a blip, and this is the way to move on when the risk became incomprehensible. Mm. So, so then going forward, what what should I be looking at as an investor with with Stashaway? Um, you know, the as with any algorithms or systematic investment 
platforms, every um, scenarios, every experience accounted by the model became part of his new processes. It learns. So, for example, but are you more are you modeling all these anomaly factors into your new models? Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, uh, we went last four years was amazing. A treasure trove of. I don't know about our competitors, but we are the longest there one. And we went through the trade war, two corrections in the trade war, went through the pandemic. The pandemic was amazing. There was no data. Mm. <laughs> there was no economic data. We went in lockdown and we, the algorithm learned to invert itself and say, well, what is the data we have? We have the market prices every day. So we implied expectations of growth from there and looks at, at the time, I remember, it looks at how much recession was already priced in, in March uh, 2020. And it made a decision that we should stay invested and it correctly did that in principle. That was a, was a massive turnaround. Um, that is all, in, uh, the principle is more important and it actually did that. That's exceptional handling, right? We didn't even intervene that time. It was able to do that and it learned through that crisis. Um, you also learn through a lot of things like currency management, right? I remember when we first launched uh, US dollar job a lot and uh, there's a lot of return, but it's in local currency terms, less uh, less high than, than, than user expect. And, you know, once you put the, the machine through it, it started learning. And there's a currency pillar, right? <laughs> mm. We use currency to reduce uh, systemic risk, as I mentioned earlier. And so overall... Um, the more exceptions or unprecedented events you go through, the better it is. And I'm proud to say, last four years, let's do the tally. Uh, trade war twice, COVID crashed uh, of 2020, and super high inflation momentum last year, and a China route. That's plenty of learn, uh, plenty of real battles for for this thing <laughs> for to anyone, now. For anyone. <laughs> So what what we say, what I'm trying to say is the you shouldn't expect the same kind of intervention because it may be once intervention by the committee, but the algorithm once it learns, it shouldn't be the intervention again because it will set metrics. Mm. You should set signposts and metrics, mm. political scores, sanction scores, or what have you. So that's what we are doing. Uh, once you go through the experience, you set metrics for it to to base itself on to make the decision in the future, not and not without human invention on the same event. That is the goal of um, uh, the, the 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 learning, the iteration. But the track record, you cannot discount it just based on ten months. Mm. And if you put it in the human shoes, it's very difficult. If you turn it back last year, um, prior to China's uh, crack, crack cram down. ERA, ERA has a fantastic track record for four years, mm. nearly four years, right? Three years and seven months. And, and it went through so many crises. So unless you really had a good reason, it's the unknown unknown. Nobody would ever intervene. That's what we did. We didn't because we couldn't do that in principle. Mm. To, today, the latest one, regardless of whether it rebound tomorrow uh, further, we in principle would intervene in it because... Uh, sanction risk, we do not understand it anymore. It's outside the box. Okay, okay, fair. So, um, for all of you listening in, if you don't know what's ERAA, then I don't know why you're here. But anyway, <laughs> that's stash away. Essentially, their algorithm, okay? So, they, they patent this thing called ERAA. My apologies. How, Can I yeah. give you a 30-second yes, review? Please, uh, please. Yeah, <laughs> yes. It stands for Economic Regime-Based Asset Allocation. So, the B did not have an acronym. So, it's just ERAA. 
economic regime as allocation. So it's designed not it's not an active uh, trading thing. It's not. It's designed rooted in calibrating portfolio uh, to 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 match the economic cycles. Economic cycles some depending on which country. Australia can be super long dated, twenty years. Some countries are which very they short, did, right? For twenty years, yeah. no recession. Yes. Yeah. So mm. the uh, the algorithm calibrates itself to the economic cycle of where it invests in. It does not have a pre a priori uh, view on it, but every country, every asset class, a different cycle. So tech stocks will have a shorter cycle. Emerging market will have a very long cycle. It does well. It does well for ten years. It doesn't do well. Doesn't do well for ten years, right? So it accounts for that that economic cycles, then the valuations versus this, the economic cycles, and to actually try to optimize decisions. But as you can tell, it's all economic and it's all fundamental valuations. There's no events. Uh, why is that so? If you try to do that during Donald Trump's presidency, you would have lost a lot of money because of the whip saws, the flip and flops, and it's. You're never sure whether it is actually going to last an impact. Mm. Now, you can also say that when it comes to Putin, maybe it's more permanent, but we are not making that call. We are That's the call of uh, the investment committee where if other all the due diligence, we can't understand it, <clears throat> we want to have exercise our fiduciary duty, um, mm. which you just see this time, first time yeah. in five years. Okay. No, but otherwise, mm. uh, we, don't, we do not interfere. Okay, okay. So, so... To put it out there for all of you listening in, this is the one-time interference because the algorithm doesn't understand this yet, right? And for fiduciary duty, the governors decide I to... I don't think any algorithms it. in the world would understand yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Not, not just yet, also yeah. in the future. Okay, okay. So then, then the, this brings to the next discussion, right? How can I trust the algorithm, right? Like Because with machine learning, for all of you that don't know... like. Um, even the people that create the algorithm don't really understand, you know, what, what is the algorithm There's doing. a huge difference between the algorithm's purpose, right? Mm. Um, first of all, about trust, you got to think about leverage. We have no leverage. We have $1 for $1 investment. Mm. Most algorithm blows up because of leverage. Easily in the hedge fund space, 3.5 to 5x is very possible. If you have 5x, a 20% down in an asset can wipe out your entire portfolio and it became a margin call. So first of all, the warning signs of whether you should trust something, regardless of how it works, is how much leverage is being applied. A stash away is zero. Two, derivatives. Uh, and there's a lot of embedded uh, derivatives that can magnify risk. A stash away, that's zero because we are real money investors. We do, we do not invest in things with embedded optionality, embedded trigger, embedded derivatives or complexities that can change your risk profile. Um, so that too is your guiding principle, really. Three, you should really think about it, right? It's, um, your new statutory risk index as SRI is a 1% chance of losing X amount of money. When you choose SRI 36%, which is the highest risk portfolio on our platform, there's a 1% chance of losing 36 with the China route, we, didn't, we are nowhere near that, right? Over the last one year, it's minus 10, and it's quickly rebounding now, like, like I said. I think you need to look at the numbers. We always told uh, upfront, this is a high-risk portfolio. You, should, you may not want to choose it. Go lower if it's a concern. There's a 1% chance of losing 36. When we are nowhere near those numbers. So if you want to talk about how do you trust that, 
look at an algorithm when the market is in stress. We our statutory risk index held up even during COVID crashed, actually with with a good margin. Mm. <laughs> so and those are not even not ninety nine percentile. They are ninety nine point nine nine percentile event, right? The COVID crash um, is unprecedented and it held. So if you want to talk about trust, do not look at the, the when things are good. Look at when there are stresses. Does it do what it's supposed to do? And we have a four-year, nine-months track record of doing that, as I mentioned before. Is there a way to see the internal inputs of it? Or that will never happen? Like what kind no, of inputs? Sorry? Like, like in your machines. It's tough like, even though so it's a lot of codes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> pages and pages, uh, maybe chapters and chapters like a book. Mm, if you print mm. out, I think if you print out the entire thing, it's going to be... I think in terms, if if I can help you visualize this, um, there's so many funds in there and asset classes that users do not see. You probably see seven to twelve, any point in time in your portfolio. But what's behind that is a bigger list we call the investable universe. It's like hundreds and hundreds of funds being shortlisted as top tier. And then there's a backup list, <laughs> so you can range in the thousands if you want to really look into it. So there's a lot of objects. Each fund has many equations and objects. So you know, <laughs> uh, and 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 so uh, even if I want to show you, it's going to be tough. Is <laughs> however, um, there's we the um, investment team has dashboards for key parameters to to look at. That's where we exercise our checks and balances to make sure. Uh, you know, nothing is, is no garbage in, garbage out. That's our job. Um, the investment committee is there to look at the real world and say, I have a, somebody in the committee says, I have a severe concern on something. We need to address it. Um, but if we can't, we need to manage that risk. So, so there's two, there's two a series of things going on in terms of governance. Okay. Okay. So I, I think, I think you've, you've addressed quite a lot of stuff, right? Um, and in closing, I mean, just to put it out there, right, so that everyone kind of gets more clarity on like where are you seeing things going forward. Like, what are some other risk factors that you'll be concerned of? Like, what are some other things that you guys are looking at that that you think will, you know, affect your investment decisions going forward? Firstly, um, monetary policy. We felt that while it's good that Fed is pushing aggressively for the markets, the bond markets to absor- absorb more rate high expectations, um, there is a risk that they may slow things down elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, the stock market pricing versus the bond market pricing is the opposite. Um, so that's something that we are very, we're very, very careful about. So you see us actually, even during this reoptimization, we sort of reduce just very simplistic linear sensitivity to the overall market. We're trying to source return from wide, wider variety of places. Inflation links, gold, equity markets of commodity exporting countries, real estate investment trust that benefits from a weaker virus that increases reopening potentials. And so you think very, very diversely. Um, so I think the greatest challenge, if I summarize it, Reggie, is that for us all investors this year and next is how we can source as much pockets of return from different places as possible. Mm, 
And of course, it, it remains to be seen, right? Because during good times, everybody, you know, during good times, everybody <laughs> does well, right? It's now the few years that I believe uh, you will, we will be able to tell who is really the pro in the space, right? It, it, it's, it's the real challenge. We've been around years. for four years, nine months. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so we, 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 shall, we shall keep observing, right? And, and as retail investors, I think a lot of people will have a lot of things to, to look out for. Yeah. But I think you have already addressed a lot of, a lot of stuff, right? So in, in closing, do you have any last words for, for people that are concerned about you know, what, is, what is happening with the crap thing and all that? Yeah, I mean, the last words would be, uh, uh, look, um, I, am, I am very sympathetic of the journey of the last 10 months of, uh, for people in the markets and people with us. Actually, you know, you probably read on the news, 75% of institution investors bail already on China right before the rebound. So there's a lot of people who felt very bitter and antsy about it. But my last words would be, do not let a 10-month thing affect your long-term investment plans. Um, do focus on sourcing return from as many places as you can and uh, be systematic about it uh, long-term. You, you are investing in the portfolio, not a particular asset. So, you know, that would be sort of I will leave your listeners here with. Um, the, the, this is a clocks, I think. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. I'm Thanks, very honored. Thank you. Take care. Hey, I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated, and discussed. Join our community telegram group. Follow us on our social Sign up for our weekly newsletter We are doing a weekly newsletter reboot We are going to have a lot of information Within the newsletter Everything is in the description below And if you love us And want to help us grow Definitely share the podcast With your friends And on your socials Also if you have any interesting thoughts You want to share Or you know someone That we would like to hear from Reach out to us Through hello at thefinancialcoconut.com With that Have a great day ahead Stay tuned next week And always remember Personal finance can be chill Clear and sustainable for all Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.